Josh Easton here, Israel Uncensored, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is Monday, the 9th of May, 2022, the 8th of ER 5782, coming to you this morning from Gush Etzion, Israel, Judea, just south of Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people. And I think it's very important to remember those facts, especially now as we are seeing terrorism on a daily basis. And I'm talking about major terror attempts. Of course, the rock throwing and firebombs continue on the roads throughout Judea and Samaria and at times in Jerusalem. That hasn't changed. We've seen that terror on a daily basis, but now we are seeing nearly daily attempts, whether they're stabbings or shootings or other major attempts at trying to murder Jews, trying to murder Israelis in many places throughout the country. And just to give you the latest two attempted attacks yesterday, one in my neck of the woods here in Gush Etzion in Tekoa, an Arab armed with a knife infiltrated the community Again, the community of Tekoa in eastern Gush Etzion. And thank God he was climbing some sort of fence outside the house of a member of the emergency volunteer rapid response team. He picked the wrong fence to climb. Thank God. And the member of the security team went inside, got his gun, and killed the terrorist. Thank God. And no one was injured. But it could have ended it could have ended bad badly. Thank God it did not. In this case the terrorist was killed. And just a few hours earlier again here yesterday, a stabbing attempt in Jerusalem outside the walls of the old city. An Arab jihadist, an Arab terrorist armed with a knife, attacked a border policeman, injuring him moderately. Thank God he is in stable condition. The terrorist was shot. And I believe at this juncture, the terrorist rather in serious condition. So you had an attack in Tekoa, you had an attack in Jerusalem. And of course, on Israel's Independence Day on Thursday of this past week, unfortunately, a very horrible, deadly attack in the town, the central Israeli town of Elad, where three, three Israelis were murdered by two jihadists. Uh, 44-year-old Yonatan Havakuk from Lod, Boaz Gol, 49 years old from Elad, along with Oren Ben Yiftach, 35 years old of Lod, where they were laid to rest on Friday. Three more Israelis murdered in this latest, call it a wave if you want, of terror, bringing the death toll to 19 over the last five, six weeks, 19 Israelis murdered in terror attacks. And I know we're not on the level of the Oslo war, which some call the second intifada back in, in 2002 with the suicide bombings and bus bombings and restaurants and cafes being blown up. But it is, is starting to feel, unfortunately, that we are, we're headed in that direction. And I'm calling on our government this haphazard coalition of right, left, center, and everything else in between to take the necessary steps to stop the terror, whatever they may be. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not a military 
expert. But when I see the head of Hamas speaking out in public, and I don't know, again, I don't know where he's speaking from, somewhere in Gaza, it is blood boiling. Every one of these terrorists, every one of these leaders of the terror organizations should be afraid for their lives 24-7. Anytime they pop their heads up, they should know they are risking their lives. And at the same time, even more so, there's obviously a hornet's nest of terrorists in places like Janine. And back in 2002, Israel went into Janine and weeded out those terrorists. And we're going to need to do something in order to weed out the terrorists who are carrying out these attacks here 20 years later in 2022. And again, do I want to see IDF soldiers having to go door to door? Do I want to see our troops put in harm's way? There has to be a military strategy to take out these terrorists and squash this latest so-called wave. Okay, it has to end. And if the government has to fall, so be it. If we have to go back to elections, so be it. But we cannot continue like this, where decisions are being made. And this is really the main problem, I think. Decisions are being made based on politics. Okay, we'll talk in a minute about housing in Judea and Samaria. We'll get to that in a minute. But decisions are being made in terms of people's lives whether it's life and death issues, whether it's housing issues, quality of life, their decisions are being made in order to maintain this fragile government, which doesn't even have a majority technically right now. And it's costing people. It's costing people in many ways. I kind of went on a tangent there. I mean, I was going to talk about this as reported by JNS back to Thursday's attack and the capture of the terrorists jns reports israeli security forces captured the two suspects who carried out the deadly axe attack in elad last week according to a joint statement by the israeli police defense force israel defense forces and israel security agency the two terrorists from a village near Jenin. again as i mentioned before a hotbed of terror were captured in a forest near Elad following a 60-hour manhunt, according to the police. And there was footage released of the arrest. Terrorists transferred to the Shin Bet for questioning. So the two monsters who carried out the attack, a 19- and 20-year-old, they were arrested on Sunday. And I, you know, if it was up to me, I would say death penalty for these two who destroyed destroyed lives, leaving behind 16 orphans in Lod and in Elad. I would say these two people, number one, for sure should never see the light of day, but even more so, I don't think that they should, they deserve to live, in my opinion. I know Israel has only put to death one person in its history, but there has to be some sort of deterrence, whether it's the death penalty, whether it's Sending, you know, these these terrorists and their families are still getting paid by the Palestinian Authority. That has to stop. Whether it's, it's deporting the families of terrorists, whatever it is, there has to be a real deterrence 
and these house demolitions which take place months later do not seem to be enough because more and more of these attacks are continuing. According to Israel National News, Prime Minister Naftali Bennett called for the formation of a civilian national guard in response to the recent wave of terror attacks at the start of the weekly cabinet meeting on Sunday. So yeah, that has to happen. This this civilian national guard, anyone living in Israel who has a gun license, I think at this point it is irresponsible if you're not carrying your weapon and you're not properly trained on how to use your weapon. If you have the license, you should carry it. And I think Israel needs to ease, ease up on, you know, people think Israelis, oh, everyone in Israel has a gun. That's absolutely not the case. It is hard to get a gun in Israel. I think it needs to be, uh, there needs to be a change in policy in terms of granting people guns, not just based on where, based on where they live. In other words, if you live in Yunava Shamran, Judea and Samaria, there's more of a chance, it's more likely that you will be eligible for a gun permit. Well, we've seen attacks now over the, the last several weeks in Elad, in Bnei Brak, in Chadera, and Beersheva. And if more trained people had access to a personal weapon, were able to get a gun these terrorist attacks could have ended quicker. So if you're talking about a civilian, some sort of civilian national guard, fine, let's get it done. Let's let the people of Elad possess fire weapons, arms, if they are trained properly and are able to use them properly. And I know over the last several years, certain restrictions have been removed in terms of former IDF soldiers who were in combat units. They are now allowed to access personal weapons, pistols, if you will, after their army service. That was a step in the right direction. But now the people of Bnei Brak, there's no reason an Israeli Bnei Brak can't get a gun if he is trained and of sound mind and body to be able to shoot a gun. And that has to happen quick. I hope that's what the Prime Minister is talking about. Because this this can't go on, folks. At the same time, the government is advancing an operation to deal with those present in Israel illegally. We're talking about Arabs who are working illegally in pre-1967 Israel. It's become a national blight. An entire industry has developed around the smuggling transportation and employment of people in Israel illegally. Unfortunately, in the latest terrorist attack in which the, per in which the person who drove the terrorists, he was brutally murdered. The driver from Lod, one of the victims, one of those who were murdered in the terror attacks, he actually transported the terrorists. Obviously, he didn't know they were what they were up to. He transported them from Lod to Elad, where they murdered him and then went on the rampage. They were working illegally in, I think, in Elad. And I think he might have even known them as local workers. And then they went on this killing rampage. But this can't continue, folks. There has to be something done, both on a macro level 
in terms of weeding out the terrorists, and in terms of this issue of illegal workers who then turn either on their employees or on the nearest Israeli in their proximity and murder them. It must stop. Israel's security cabinet, I don't know if this meeting happened last night or not. Unclear if it happened, but if it didn't happen, it will happen shortly. They are scheduled to meet in terms of developing a strategy, whether, whether we go back to targeted assassinations of Hamas leaders or other methods of creating deterrence. It has to happen, and unfortunately with the current government, I am not so convinced that anything meaningful will come out of it. I don't know. I'm sorry, folks. I'm sorry for being so pessimistic, but it is getting out of control. It's already out of control in terms of the daily terror attacks here. I mentioned building before in Judea and Samaria. Here's what's going on. There is a meeting scheduled for this Thursday. The Higher Planning Council for Judea, for Judea and Samaria. This is a branch of the civil administration, and they're supposed to get together every several months and approve housing in Judea and Samaria. According to the Jerusalem Post, they have not met since last October. Again, the politics involved. The Prime Minister doesn't want to upset members of his coalition who are against building Judea and Samaria, so no meeting has been held. And apparently now there will be a meeting this Thursday to advance plans for 3,988 new homes in Judea and Samaria, and uh, 2,536 are awaiting final approval, and another 1,452 homes are awaiting initial approval. It's very complicated in terms of the stages of approval, but bottom line, for potentially 4,000 new homes in Judea and Samaria, so it sounds like a great thing, right? Sounds like a positive development. However, number one, these are there are less houses slated for approval, which were originally supposed to be on the slate. Okay, there were supposed to be around six thousand houses or housing units approved. That number is down to four thousand. And the United States, the United States is not happy that Israel's approving. Homes in Judea and Samaria, sending out various warnings, accusing Israel of harming peace and all this other nonsense. The U.S. is going back in time on this, folks. Unfortunately, this isn't the Trump administration anymore. This is uh, the Biden administration or Obama Part 2, where Jews are criticized for building homes, pergolas, nursery schools for Jews in Judea and Samaria. And that's where we are. We are going back to the past here. More of this nonsense where, in their view, it's unnatural for Jews to build in Judea. And in my view, it's the most, most natural thing out there. So it looks like we're headed for somewhat of a showdown with the Biden administration over these 4,000 homes. Again, that being said, the leadership in Judea and Samaria not happy. The approval of the Jewish homes comes alongside authorization of over 1,000 Arab homes in Area C of Judea and Samaria. Again, that's an area which is uh, where all the Jewish communities are under both IDF military and civilian control. So the leaders of, of Judea and Samaria and 
right-wing members of Knesset not happy that they are equating, putting these on the same docket, homes for Jews and homes for Arabs and Area C. Why? Because the homes for Area C, this is all a ruse. This is all part of the Fayyad plan, which is, you know, from 2009, the, the Palestinian Authority Prime Minister put on paper, you can find this online, a detailed plan of how the Arabs are going to take over Area C. There's plenty of space and building opportunity, opportunities under the Palestinian Authority in areas A and B, but they want Area C. They want to take over Area C, and the Israeli government is helping them with this by approving more construction in Area C. That is their goal, to take it over, and one day when the parties come together, they'll say, well, there's an Arab village here already in Area C even though it was built illegally. And therefore, the Arabs are going to say, let's just keep this Arab village as part of a of an area which will remain under PA control, or God forbid, under a Palestinian state. God forbid. So-called, also, let's be clear. That is the goal, taking over strategic pieces of land throughout Area C, claiming it on their own, and there's a war of land going on under our noses, and our government doesn't get it because we're approving more houses in Area C. The Jerusalem Post today said that Prime Minister Naftali Bennett had intended to advance plans for a larger number of homes for Jews, but reduced that number to appease the United States and his coalition members. A senior diplomatic source told the Jerusalem Post yesterday, we did reduce the number of housing units, not just because of the U.S., but also because of the coalition. The source said the U.S. conveyed that so-called settlement construction was something they didn't want and that the Biden administration opposed it, the source explained. And they're also, by the way, if you were not aware, if you didn't hear this, President Biden is supposed to come to Israel. And now, apparently, they are threatening, well, President Biden won't come to Israel if Israel builds homes in Judea and Samaria. I say President Biden... Just stay home. Do us a favor. Stay over there. You know, why do we have terrorism now, folks? People are asking, why now? I thought it was because of Ramadan, right? Yes, it's true. We did have attacks over Ramadan. Ramadan is over and the attacks, and the attacks are continuing. The attacks are continuing because we are showing weakness. Both our administration and the U.S. administration. The, whether you like Donald Trump or not, President Trump, whether you like him or not, I can say with a great deal of confidence that the four years that President Donald Trump were in the White House were the four quietest years in Israel's history. And I don't have the numbers in front of me in terms of number of attacks. And there, I'm not saying there wasn't terrorism. I'm not saying there weren't thousands of rockets launched at Israel. But if you compare the last four years or the four years of the Trump administration, compare that to any other four years in Israel's history, I would say you, one could make the argument that those were the four quietest years because when you show, show strength, that is when the terrorists are afraid to pop up their heads. When you show weakness, when you talk about concessions, when you talk about two-state solutions, when you talk about building for the Arabs in Area C, 
This is weakness, and the enemies seize upon that weakness, and that is when they launch their attacks. This is the Middle East. This isn't the U.S.-Canada border, folks. And you have to show strength in this neighborhood if you want to survive. It is a matter of survival. It is a matter of lives being saved. That's really what this is all about, and weakness breeds terror. That is the bottom line on this issue. So, again, a scaled-back plan for building in Judean Samaria. You could be optimistic if you want to be optimistic and say, we're going to move forward with these, with these 4,000 houses. First, let's see it happen. Okay, that's number one. But number two, to appease Biden, to appease uh, the ROM party in the coalition, that's not the way you run a country. Appeasing those who are displaying weakness. That's not going to get you anywhere. Another issue, the Temple Mount. Times of Israel reported yesterday, Prime Minister Bennett said that Israel will make its own decisions concerning Jerusalem and the Temple Mount without any foreign interference, an apparent reference to statements by Ram Party leader Mansour Abbas. All decisions regarding the Temple Mount in Jerusalem will be made by the Israeli government, which holds sovereignty over the city without any foreign considerations, Bennett said at the start of the weekly cabinet meeting. We certainly reject any foreign interference in the decisions of the Israeli government. So my question is, if Israel is the sovereign on the Temple Mount, why is there a Jordanian waqf up there watching Jews as they visit? Why are there people up there screaming at Jews? Why aren't Jews allowed to pray on the Temple Mount? So do we really have sovereignty over the Temple Mount? If Arabs can pray up there, but non-Muslims cannot pray? on the Temple Mount? Is that true sovereignty? I would say no. I would say that is not true and clear sovereignty. I don't get it. I don't get it. The Waqf is up there. You claim there are no foreign considerations, but you have a Jordanian presence, an official Jordanian presence on the Temple Mount. So I'm not exactly sure how that statement is accurate. The Ram party threatening that it will not participate in the coalition unless they are happy with this joint committee of Israeli and Jordanian officials who apparently are meeting in regards to the Temple Mount, the Al-Aqsa Mosque. And I'm not exactly sure what the committee is trying to decide if they're going to give Jordan more of a say as to what happens up there. I guess, I mean, I'm sure that's what Ram wants. And Israel less of a say in terms of what goes on the Temple on the Temple Mount. I mean, on Yom Atzmaut, on Independence Day, you had Hamas threaten that they were going to launch rockets if Israelis were going to be allowed on the Temple Mount. And they didn't launch rockets. They threatened. But this is a power play by the Ram party trying to hold the coalition hostage, threatening if they don't get what they want on the Temple Mount, which basically means less Jewish control, more Jordanian control, or international control, then they are going to boycott the government. Bottom line, this government's a mess, and what's going on in the Temple Mount is a disgrace. The fact that Jews can't pray there, it's, I'm glad that I think about a thousand Jews went up on Thursday, but the situation and, and the threats and the blood libel, the Jews are storming the Al-Aqsa, all these blood libels, that leads to more violence being carried out 
by, by the Muslims up there in the name of Al-Aqsa. We're guarding Al-Aqsa. We're protecting Al-Aqsa. Everyone, Hamas, they're the ones who want, they're the ones who want to at least claim that they're the protectors of Al-Aqsa. Not Israel, not Jordan, not anybody. They would like that. They would like to be known for that. It helps with their popularity. Hamas. So while they're all arguing about who's going to control it, Israel needs to stand strong. And when I say stand strong, I'm not talking about just statements. Okay. The prime minister made statements yesterday that Israel's going to decide on what's going on in the Temple Mount, Jerusalem, whatnot. I'm talking about action. I'm talking about allowing Jews to pray up there, access for all. And that's not happening right now. So again, it goes back to the same principle. Are we going to be strong or are we going to be weak? The choice is ours. Our future is in our hands. So let's see what happens there. Let's finish this on, finish this on some positive today, shall we? Maroon 5, very popular rock band, pop rock band. They're in Israel. They visited the Western Wall on Sunday. They have a concert tonight on Monday, and because tickets sold out so fast, they are going to be performing on Tuesday night as well in Hayarkon Park in Tel Aviv. Just wanted to say thank you so much to our fans in Tel Aviv for selling out our first concert on May 9th at Park Hayarkon. We're adding a second night, May 10th, because of the incredible um, response from you guys. So we are so excited. If you weren't able to get tickets to the first concert, please, please get tickets to the one on the 10th of May. Tel Aviv, we love you. We are so pumped. We've never been, and we are just so excited to get down there finally. So, right on. They are drawing a lot of attention, positive attention for Israel. You see Adam Levine, the head singer, who has been posting on Instagram on how beautiful Israel, Israel is and how beautiful Tel Aviv is. And, you know, you talk about Israel's public diplomacy efforts. This does more than, than anything, really. When you have somebody who has millions and millions of followers saying positive things about Israel, getting the truth out about Israel, again, he's not trying to be political. He himself is not. But the fact that he rejected calls from the anti-Israel haters and the BDSers, the fact that he came to Israel, this, this is a win in my book. This is a win in my book against the haters. And that is some positive news. So thank you, Maroon 5, for coming and playing Israel. Not one shows but two shows, and uh, I'm sure they're going to be great. Unfortunately, they're during what is a period uh, called Svirata Omer, and I'm not going to get into all the details. I'm sure some of the other hosts here on the Land of Israel network are talking about Svirata Omer, but many Orthodox Jews do not attend concerts, live rock shows, live shows, uh, music shows during this period. So I, unfortunately, will not be going to Maroon 5 tonight or tomorrow night, but nevertheless, I'd like to thank the group, Maroon 5, Adam Levine, and company for coming to Israel and not giving in to the haters. And that's going to do it for today for May the 9th, 2022, the 8th of ER, 5782. My name is Josh Haston. This has been another edition of Israel Uncensored on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. Get in touch with me during the week, josh at thelandofisrael.com on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Shout out to Ben Bresky, engineer extraordinaire, Tabitha Epstein for everything she does behind the scenes. Most importantly, between now and next week, whether you're in Israel or wherever you are in the wonderful world of ours, be safe, 
Have a great week, everybody. Shalom, shalom from Judea. Jews are from Judea, folks. It's that simple. Just south of Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people. Have a great week, everybody. Every Sunday, join the Land of Israel Fellowship. This live interactive Zoom experience is hosted by Jeremy Gimpel and Ari Abramowitz with participants from around the world. Enhance your faith, deepen your understanding, align your destiny with the Land of Israel. To join, visit thelandofisrael.com slash fellowship. Inviting the world to learn Torah from Judea, a new cycle, a new world.